The Money Show. Other people's money. Well, tonight's Other People's Money guest and I worked together briefly at the launch of Cape Talk. That was a while ago. Jane Dutton was the morning news anchor. I was on duty in the afternoons. And since then, she's gone on to work at CNN, CNBC, Al Jazeera, and most recently on ENCA. And since then, she's been lurking around the corridors of Prime Media once again. And I did ask you the other day, and you either dodged the question or I got distracted or something. What are you doing in the building? (laughs) I think that's something that we could both suffer from is being easily distracted. Well, Well, I am hanging around the building for a couple of days a week and working on uh, getting the visual side of things up and running, which is rather exciting. So we've released a a couple of, uh, well, two new ones, Bites with Jane Dutton, where we zoom in on one topic in particular. And then uh, we're going to be expanding that. All very exciting. So uh, I'm not going to spoil it right now, but uh, it's going to be something very different. Excellent. We look forward to different. Different is good. Now, Jane, I mean, people will remember you. And I don't, I don't mean to, to you know, uh, this is not carbon dating. We're not going back in the history of time. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a time in, dare I say, the 80s, but probably the 90s. <clears throat> yeah. Um, when you were on t- SABC screens. I mean, your your first job, the way people got to know you, was as an SABC reporter, right? That's correct. And that really was being in the right time, at the right place. Um, I'd moved over to London and I drove a cameraman home. He was drunk. I wasn't, obviously. And he said, why didn't you come into the offices? And... Uh, uh, Freck Robinson was there and he said, do a screen test and, um, and let's see how it goes. So I did the screen test and then Freck left and I did a little bit of work. They're mainly doing the books and I'm just appalling at doing the books. I think I had to pay somebody else to do the books. And then um, somebody from Sky was supposed to do a story and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I sort of learnt on the job. And then uh, Cliff Saunders came over and we worked together for a bit, but he didn't last long. And then I ended up running the office in London for the SABC during the time of Mandela's release and or after his release and um, basically travelling all over. It was quite the most extraordinary job. There's a bit of luck for you, but also seizing an opportunity when it presented itself um, and uh, working with some old legends of South African broadcasting because it has been a very busy 25 years. I recall bumping into you at the CNN offices in London at one point. um, And did you actually move to the Middle East? Did you live, I think, in Doha for a bit? I did. I did. And sorry, CNN, going back to your point of seizing something, Mm. Uh, they were training us at Cape Talk and, um, sorry, at ETV. And uh, the head of CNN at that stage came to check us out. And I went up to him and I said, make me an anchor. He's like, who are you? You're so cheeky. So I said, please make me an anchor. Anyway, and that's, <laughs> that's how it happened. So I worked for CNN for a bit and then did a couple of other jobs. And then went to Al Jazeera in about 2005 and worked in Doha for 13 years, which was quite the most amazing experience. Best experience as an anchor, completely different outlook on the world, you know, telling the story from the ground up rather than politicians telling us what we need to think. No, and it's a fundamentally, it's a mind shift in terms of journalism. Journalism traditionally is, 
cover Parliament, cover the event, report on what was said, and that is truth. And uh, I think we've learned uh, to our cost over generations that that is not necessarily the case. But what was it like living in Doha? I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a very different environment to one that you were used to. You know, I lived in London for 12 years and I enjoyed every single second of it. I never worried about the weather. Uh, I mean, you don't go there for the weather. I found it so exciting, so stimulating. My head was alive. Um, and then I moved to the Middle East. And, you know, the whole Al Jazeera thing was so exciting and it felt that um, we were, you know, outsiders starting something new. So that was all really exciting. But it never resonated with me, the Middle East. I never had that um, that bond that I that I developed with London, with, with that country. It's mm. it's quite alien in the sense that it doesn't really represent what I stand for. I mean, a lot of it is about money. I mean, I met quite a few people there who'd been there for many years and they said, we're only here for the money. And um, as nice as money is, I was horrified. I was like, aren't you here for the experience and to learn and to to give back and to uh, to create and make new and beautiful things? So I, I find it quite hard. And after six months uh, into the journey, I was I was ready to get out of there. So it took me 13 years to leave. But it was hard to leave because Al Jazeera was just, you know, fantastic. You know, one of the first things I remember about Al Jazeera that big desk that you sit in front of. Underneath it are all the TV screens, BBC and all of that. And uh, they were all talking about Princess Di, and I was just about to interview somebody from the Taliban. So I loved that experience mm. as a news anchor. Often we went on to location. I was there when the Egyptian revolution kicked off. So we we did a lot of traveling as news anchors and, and also learning so much about that region, which is such a complex and complicated region and is at the heart of so many things. What I loved about it was, you know, we worked four days on, four days off. So, you know, we, I was sitting in the departures lounge. So we'd pop over to Beirut for the weekend or London <laughs> or wherever it was. Yeah. At, the epicenter, then, and, and, at uh, the epicenter of the world, I suppose, in the Middle East, you can go in any one direction, four hours in any direction, and you're in a fabulous place. So easy. And, and you know, I'm, I've, I've grown up in a family of gypsies. I've, I've traveled by, we, that's all we did was, was travel. So that really... Okay, we're having hassles with Jane's connection. So I'll tell you what, producers, let's try that again. Um, we, Jane's not used to this kind of service. She's used to international television broadcast networks where nothing ever goes wrong. <laughs> of course it doesn't. Um, yes, we're talking to Jane Dutton this evening. Jane is a broadcaster. She's in the building. Uh, well, not right now, because that's why voice is breaking up a little bit. But we'll sort out that connection uh, from CNN to Al Jazeera and then a relocation to South Africa where she graced our screens on ENCA for about three years and has now moved on to other things. But yeah, the the notion of travel and the notion of this fun foreign correspondent life doesn't really gel well with family. So we'll pick up on that theme in a moment. The Money Show. Other people's money. Talking to Jane Dutton this evening. Jane Dutton and I first met actually before Cape Talk in London. Before Cape Talk. That was a long time ago. Uh, Jane Dutton with us. We've got her on the telephone now. We're trying every single communication method known to humanity, Jane Dutton. Um, you, you leave Doha after 12, 13 years and you return to South Africa. That's a family commitment because 
bringing kids up when you are gallivanting around, uh, sorry, working so hard around the world <laughs> um, is tough, isn't it? Uh, yes, it, it is tough. You know, it was wonderful bringing up kids in Doha because there's an incredible, bit like South Africa, infrastructure there. And it is very safe. And I did a lot of traveling, so I could quite easily hop on a plane and leave my kids and knowing that everything was fine. And there'd be so many expats to look after my children. But one of the things, one of the reasons I came back, my mom is here. My father died while I was away. And it was such an awful experience. And I thought, you know what? I've got to be with my parents. You know, am I still South African? I want my kids to grow up being South African. And, you know, the Middle East, as safe as it is there for your children, it's still not doesn't feel like the real world and I wanted them to experience the real world as harsh as it was I must say returning um, do you, and do they sort of look at you and say mum electricity Doha it's got electricity um, you know, the, it, the, do, do they question your judgment ever uh, do they ju- sorry it's, it's a really bad line I can barely hear you but uh, well I mean the thing they, they are so young uh, you have no idea how young they are so I think they've forgotten most of Doha <laughs> I think the most shocking thing for them was when we first came back and we had installed, um, you know, the electric fence, the alarm system was kept on going off. And I think that was pretty frightening for them. And in Doha, you could give the kids little trolleys and you'd say, okay, I'll see you in an hour while I go shopping and off they would zoot and you would never worry about them. And here, the minute they walk away from me, still now, I, you know, would go, where are you going? Come back. So I think that was a bit of a shock for them. But they are enjoying being with their nonna, their granny, and enjoy, you know, we grew up on the Bowl River. So it's lovely going back to where our family is from as well. Talk to me about money. Talk to me about this itinerant life and how that affects the way you think about money and the way you manage money. You know, our family's been on the move. As I said, we, we are like gypsies. Um, and I guess my parents really shaped how I view money today, which was we did a lot of traveling. We uh, didn't have that much money, but we had a very privileged lifestyle. So we, did, we traveled a lot. We couldn't tell anybody that we were traveling because my dad didn't want anyone to be jealous. So, uh, so we always had enough money to go where we wanted to go. And I have done the same thing throughout my life. When I went to London, I supported myself. I worked as a secretary in the day, a really bad one. I was fired several times. In fact, one of my bosses said, you are the worst secretary we've ever had, but we really like you, so, so we'll keep you. So I worked as a secretary in the day, and then I would cycle off to a pizza restaurant and work there at night. So I've always been an incredibly hard worker. I've never been without um, other than a few sort of, you know, odd months here or there. And work is everything for me. It, it, I guess it defines me. And I have a very healthy relationship with money. But like the sea, you've got to respect it. It excites, it, it excites me and frightens me in equal measure. And I, you know, even when I had no money in London, I would take myself off to see uh, the the. Uh, the ballet or I remember seeing Shirley Bassey. My, my tickets were so uh, expensive for me, but so cheap that I literally saw the top of her head at the <laughs> Royal Albert Hall. So I've always managed to keep money to the side so that I can, that I can travel and, and enjoy life. Um, I invested 
quite early on in a, um, a flat in London. It was the best and worst thing I did. I bought it for nothing in a part of London that became incredibly trendy. And then I sold it. I doubled my money. And now it's worth <laughs> millions more. Um, so I, I, I'm not a massive investor. I, have, I enjoy property. But maybe in my next life, I would uh, stay away from it unless you're buying the property that you're going to live in. Yeah, I mean, property is so divisive as a topic because people believe that it is such a wonderful, gives such wonderful returns. But my goodness me, it's oh. hard, hard work. Um, when you when you look at money and the and the skills that you want to impart on your kids, what mm. lessons do you draw from your global experience that you teach them? Well, you know, money is something that you have to work for. Um, it should never define you. I, uh, you know, again, when my parents were bringing us up, we could never talk about money or we'd never say, not that we had the Mercedes, but we'd never say, I'm hopping in my Mercedes to go up to Rodine, all of that kind of stuff. So money is not the be all and end all. It's not how you judge people or, or ju- judge yourself. Money is very important. And you, you know, I've got one of my children is, is, a, is quite, you know, she, she's got an entrepreneurial spirit. So everything she does, she always discusses how much it is and how much is going to go in there and how much money she's going to make out of it. So I try and impart the cost of things to them that it doesn't come easy. And uh, there were a couple of months over the last couple of years where I was in and out of work. So they could see the, the ebb and flow of money. So it is something that they respect, as do I. And, you know, as I said, it's, it's something that's, that you can't take for granted ever. But also, I think you need to know how much is enough so that you're not at, you know, the, the, the power that money doesn't have power over you, but rather that you are in control of it. You talk about how work defines you, but it's the work, mm-hmm. not the money that comes from the work, because if it was the money, you wouldn't have done journalism. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't have done journalism and I wouldn't have left Al Jazeera. Exactly. You know, when I started working at the SABC office and I suddenly realized that this is what I wanted to do, that everything I had done beforehand all pointed to this. It was the most exciting thing and I just couldn't get enough of it. And to this day, I still I love the rush of it. I love how exciting it is. I love going to parts of the world that you might not necessarily choose to travel to and how you meet people that you might not necessarily meet. So I wouldn't give up journalism for anything. I might have maybe invested better so that I can not worry too much about the not-so-great salaries going forward. Yeah, and, and it is, unfortunately, the brutal reality of a passion project versus a strategic approach to an investment banking career or whatever else. But they don't get the mm. joy that we, we get. Um, when, you, when, you look, when you look at what you have done with money, are you, with the bits that you've had over time, um, have mm. you been wise or have you, it's a question I love asking politicians, the small and younger skeletons, what is the one thing you did with money that you now regret and you go that was not the best moment i've ever had um there are quite a few <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, right so yes selling selling that flat was just 
so stupid. You know what? I, I bought the flat and it went up very quickly. And then I had a, a nasty insult. I was quite badly beaten up in London. Oh. And, um, and I got a job back in South Africa. And a friend of mine said, you know what, Jane? You don't need the hassle of keeping this flat. Uh, the tenants are awful. Pains in the asses. Uh, excuse me, excuse the language. And um, maybe you should just sell it. So I sold it. So that was a really stupid thing that I did. And then I got involved with friends. So I've got good friends in London who got involved in a property scheme, which made sense pre-Brexit. So they bought about six uh, grade A homes, listed homes in the UK, got fantastic interior designers, architects to redo the the, the inside, the refurbishments, won many prizes, um, and they were going to then sell the property. So I put money in several times, and then Brexit happened, oh. and they weren't. They basically they overcapitalized. They should have only bought one or two, sold it, had some money for the bad times. They didn't do that, and they lost absolutely everything. And that's obviously put a bit of a strain on the relationship. And you know what? I kind of knew when I was going in that I shouldn't have topped up the kitty there, but I did it anyway. So, you know, there's several things that I've learned as well. Uh, If it sounds too good to be true, and I know this is rather hackneyed and corny, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And don't go into business with your friends. I think we will leave it there. Jane Dutton, thanks for chatting. Um, Difficult phone lines, difficult comms this evening, as often happens, unfortunately, in the digital world. But Jane Dutton gave us some insights this evening into her and her relationship with money. Jane Dutton on The Money Show.